Welcome, everyone, to the Game Vault Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Schuster. Joining me tonight are Mark Myers and special guest Jonathan. Tonight, we'll be debating if Microsoft can save Activision and get rid of a certain CEO and review our retro roulette game, Final Fantasy V, for the Sony PlayStation. But before we get to all of that, what have you guys been playing? We'll start with guest Jonathan. Hey, okay. So, um, the first game that I've been playing that I want to talk about is called Froggy Pot. Uh, <laughs> the, it, I'm just going to read the description, and it's going to be very apparent to you what this game is. It's a, soup, it's a short visual novel about a froggy chilling in a pot. The pot's warm now, but it'll reach a boil soon, so you have to convince Froggy to get out of the pot. <laughs> That's it? You just got to convince him to get out? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, okay, I guess I got to say one more sentence for you to get what this is. Why won't Froggy leave the pot? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a very sad and um, like anxious game. Um, I can imagine. Good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, then you guys always find the weirdest stuff. <laughs> I don't know both I, of you. I don't know where you guys find this stuff. This so this one I found because I follow a number of people on Backlogged that I have seen write stuff on f- video game forums that I think is interesting, and so they find these like small itch games and whatever, um, and then Backlogged shows you what everybody has marked that they're playing or added to their backlog and stuff like that. So it's an easy way for me to find things that people who like the things that I like are interested in. Gotcha. Um, then crazy, crazy stuff. I, I can't, <laughs> I'd have, I'm going to have to watch somebody play this after this. Oh, yeah. it, it's like a 15 minute long visual novel or something like that. That's free on itch. Yeah. It, it's very short. Okay. Um, then also I've been playing vampire survivors after Mark mentioned it. Um, I l- love a slow bullet hell. I want to <laughs> find more of those. Um, with regular bullet hell games and sh- and shmups and stuff, they just move way too fast for me to really process what's going on. But with this one, because it's slower, it's um, much easier for me to be like, oh, I see. I need to move like counterclockwise in order to avoid these people. Yeah. Um, avoid these attacks and stuff. Yeah. Um, the, have you gotten to the second uh, map? Yes. Yes, okay. I just opened that right before we started. Nice. Um, I I can't say that I have ever been very good at bullet hells, but it's interesting that it's a slow bullet hell. Like, I've never seen one that's deliberately slow. Granted, it's about a slow-moving thing, but that's still an interesting interesting thing to build a game around. Yeah, and it's what... Now, I don't know what the genre breaks down to, but it it's roguelite. Yeah, so it's like it's technically roguelite. an action roguelite. However, yeah. that's not a super useful description of the game. <laughs> no, I think the <laughs> most useful description is um, I've heard is some people comparing it to an idle game. I think it's yeah. really a lot more like that. It it feels more like that, and um, like the way that you engage with it is the same. That like you're not really thinking about it, but you just in the back of your head you're kind of thinking about like. What's the best way to make these numbers go up? And um, uh, it's really good for like when you are half like something to do with your hands while you're half paying attention to other stuff, like listening to podcasts or um, something like that. Yeah, it's uh, and the uh, the way it ramps up. Um, yeah, because this is going to be my ma- I'm, I'm playing this as well. So we'll both talk about it here. But um, yeah, the the thought part, the only time you really have to think is um, 
you know, obviously when the choices come up. But I've gone, I used to go in and just go try to figure it out real quick. And the last couple of things I've gone, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go straight. Whatever the first two weapons get, I get, and then I upgrade them as they come. I'm not going to grab any other weapons. Let's see how that goes. Like, just doing playthroughs like that, just having fun with it. Because you're usually done within, you know, anywhere from, at least for me, because I've not gotten to the 30 minutes yet. (coughs) Um, Between like 7 and 20 minutes. Um, If you fuck up and do a dumb build in the beginning you can you'll probably die quickly and be able to restart yep um then the last game that i've been playing is monster hunter rise y'all know this yes um the i think this game was probably my game of the year last year but i felt kind of weird about that because um i really liked it when i was playing it when it came out in like the summer um but then i ended up falling off of it but then at the end of the year, I was still like, oh, I was still probably like the game that I enjoyed the most when I was playing it. And I do have 120 hours in it. So like <laughs> I did obviously enjoy it, but just I don't want to go back to it. Then they released the PC version two weeks ago, I think. Yeah. And um, I got it because um, the a lot of the like streamers that I watch and stuff had said that they were going to be getting it and playing with viewers. So that meant that I would have like a reliable source of people to play with. Um, I figured that'd be a, and that seemed like a lot of fun. Um, So I did that. I got it. And I did that. And I've been having so much fun with this. Um, And and this isn't everybody I've heard talk about it has said the same thing that it is, even though it's the same game that was on switch, it's a much better game when you play it on PC because um they, i think they somebody was saying there's something about like the switch has drops inputs at a hardware level on occasion and that's really bad for a fast uh fast paced demanding action game like it's just i'd say so miserable yeah. it, it's not that frequent but just the fact that it can happen it feels terrible if it ever happens um additionally it plays like at really easily um and consistently on pc like it's not demanding at all because it was originally built for switch and so um that means that like it's so much easier to like process everything that's happening and see what attacks have hit you and stuff like that um and also you don't have like the bad switch multiplayer stuff um like when this originally came out there was no switch oled which meant that you had to be playing over wi-fi and playing multiplayer games over Wi-Fi is never great. Stuff like that. Um, so Especially something like this. That's the the last thing you need to do is be the guy who has a like six hundred millisecond ping yeah. while you're while you're playing Monster Hunter. Yeah, lag's not as bad in this game as it is in like first person shooters and stuff like that. However, it's still not good. And the fact that you can't use an Ethernet connection means that you're definitely like much more likely to have problems. Um, so that game's great. I like it a lot. I beat the final monster Ooh. earlier today, which is um, a jet dragon. Like it's a dragon, but its wings are jet engines. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's very cool. It sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. That's all I got. All right. Mark, how about you? Well, I've been playing Vampire Survivors. Uh, and, and like I said, I think it's, it's a very good game um, in the sense that you'll. You can, if you only have like a half hour to play something, you can just jump in, play it, and and 
uh, get your fill. It's also something great to have while watching a stream um, on the background. So glad I found it. And to answer a question from Tom earlier, I think me and Jonathan sort of find these games from the same place, either through a video game podcast or some message board or some, you know, curated thing on something. And um, we just, you know, try it essentially. It's like, hey, it's not that expensive or it's free on itch or it's on Game Pass. Yeah, it's just I, I have no qualms about playing something going, ah, this isn't for me. And then putting it down. That's what happened with Biomutant last year. So, but besides that, the other thing I've been doing, um, which came off um, outside of our retro roulette game, which came off our cat our conversation from last week, I had the thing that sparked that was that I had uh, picked up Final Fantasy VIII Remastered on PC. And I have gone about for the last nine hours completely breaking the game in in the ways in the beautiful ways that game can be broken. I am on the second mission of the game, which for those of you that played it is uh, Timber, where you meet Renoa and you um, begin the main story of the game. And uh, I already have um, Squall up to 135 strength, and he's now hitting everything for like 2000 plus points. Um, the, this is disc one, correct? Disc one. The thing Final Fantasy VIII does is that the monsters scale with you, but they scale on your average party level. So I had just taken Squall out and sort of grinded him up. So he's like level 50 or 60 and everybody else is still single digits or low teens. So he's still one shotting enemies because he's so much stronger than them. But, you know, I'm going in. The best part about the remaster is I'm just seeing how how much you can break this game. Because you can, when you're grinding for for draws to get the magic and all for the junctions, you can just hit it on, like, uh, god mode and, you know, not get hit and just sit there and just <laughs> spam the draw button for, like, five minutes till you get 99 of everything. Then I turn it off and do the actual battle. But, yeah, that game, yeah, while I probably would never play it through without trying to break it ever, it, it, is, a, it is a wonderful statement to... A, a system in a game that seems complicated, but once you get just a little bit of knowledge of it, it's completely broken. And since this came out in 1998, they didn't have a chance to patch out any of the brokenness. And it's just it's just a beautiful relic to that time period. And watching um, a streamer I follow, uh, Karkala, play through it for the first time and with the story, you just remember how batshit insane that story is? And, you know, how... One of the twists in it occurs, and she just like puts her hands up and goes, "Sure, whatever." Because <laughs> that, that if there is a tagline to Final Fantasy VIII story, that's what it is. Um, I so, I want to yeah. comment on the thing you said about um uh the game like being able to like really break the game. Yeah. So when I when I was a wee lad, um I was didn't like platformers because I was very bad at them because I was four or whatever yeah. and so instead the games that i really liked were rpgs like pokemon or other stuff like that because um you win the game not by being like not by like having skill but just by being smart and so like a brains over brawn type thing yeah and so like if you understand how the system works or if you do research like looking up a guide or something like that then that is what gives you an advantage in those games to uh, do well. And so it's like a weird tension then um, in RPG design because you want there to be 
ways for people to figure out a really good strategy that seems ridiculous and powerful. But also, you don't want it to be too easy to yeah. like find that or for it to be too much better than everything else. Because then it feels like it's a puzzle with one single solution and yeah. they just don't tell you that it's a puzzle. And you also don't get to like role play your character at all. Yeah. Like if you want to be a wizard and it turned in the game's designed so that melee attacks are better and you should never use magic, then that's just like not a good experience. It's kind but. of what this game is. But. <laughs> I think that's a Final Fantasy thing in general. Like if you go back all the way to the beginning, if you use like three, like if you use a couple of red mages or a, if a red mage is like your main character in the first one, it's a terrible experience because you're just getting killed over and over when you could take four warriors or I forget what they call them in in the original. I think it's knights. Uh, you can just like spam attack through the whole game and just blow everything away. So it's it's I think it's a Final Fantasy thing more than anything. It's just picking the right build at the right time. Yeah, essentially the Final Fantasy VIII thing from watching this playthrough and seeing how the game naturally wants you to learn it and my knowledge of playing it and now breaking it. It's just they have an idea for a good system, but when they put the pieces together is where the breaking occurs. Because the junction system, like making you uh, junction magic to improve stats, that's a great system. I think it's in some, like, a, a good bit of RPGs, or maybe I'm just thinking after eight, people just took the idea. But the idea that you have to, uh, that once the, the magic is stronger, the more magic you draw... Um, that's, in my opinion, that's where the breaking comes in, um, because you're more worried about every time you see an enemy, you just want to draw to a hundred of that item, um, rather than actual fighting the enemy. And so if they could have split those up or figured out a way it could have, you know, played well, but you know, that's when, that's the great thing about, um, Final Fantasies, good or bad, is that they always try a different system every time out, just about. I feel like that makes them more vulnerable to this kind of problem where the game seems unbalanced because they switch how the combat works every single game. Yeah. And so they can't, they don't have a chance to like fix design flaws. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. It's essentially where the, the good and bad is sometimes they hit on something great, like remake um, in terms of the combat. Um, and sometimes they completely have it unbalanced like eight, but yeah. Yeah. It's always, it depends on like how you would like your game to, be designed you know you can have like a similar attack system like i think tails sort of does what you said jonathan where it just iterates on the things it's done in the past um to improve them and add different things um rather than overhaul the combat entirely um or you can do the new experience each game but the one fun thing is is that it, after years of just completely shitting on eight i just realized i've come to love the beauty of the I wouldn't say monster, but that's not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> you know, that this game actually is. It's it's kind of it's kind of interesting to look back on it um, with, a, you know, a new eyes and probably a new way that I play games in my in my 30s. than I did when I was a teenager. Yeah, that's about all I've been playing through that stuff. Obviously, I still play my NCAA 14 um, now that I've learned how to hack into it to make the college football playoff in there because I am a true uh, elite hacker now. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, but, um, um, there's a couple things coming out, um, over the next couple of weeks that I might pick up, I think Dying Light 2 and, 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 um, some other things. And I grabbed, uh, Persona 5, um, Strikers for free, but haven't been able to touch it yet. 
Mark, how many hours do you have in NCAA 14? I am asking because I want to know if it's more or less than I have in Monster Hunter Rise. It's going to be close. Um, I'm going to pull up my thing. Uh, 92 hours. 92 hours? Yeah. And when did you start playing it? Uh, I don't know. Was that probably November or December, I would say? Okay. I have 60 hours in Monster Hunter Rise on PC. <laughs> and it, how many days ago did that come out? 16. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the thing that happened with me with a game Tom's going to talk about is that I bought it, played it, and played through the 16 to 20 hour story in about three days, like three to four days, because I just kept going. Um, so I definitely know that. But that's kind of if I if I didn't have to play games for this and do the other podcasts and stuff we do, I'd probably be on the same number percentage as Jonathan like to days to hours because anytime I get some downtime and I don't feel like playing any of the new games I got, I just say, oh, I'll play the game or two. And then, you know, and that's like two, three hours. So yeah, I get but. it totally. <laughs> but yeah, that's about it this week. Right. Um, and I hope everybody tuned into the stream on Thursday and saw my beautiful professional layout um, for the <laughs> vampire survivor stream. It was very good. It was, <laughs> it was very, very professional. Let me tell you. Uh, let's see. I, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast that I beat Halo Infinite. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. You mentioned it on, on stream, right? On stream. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yes, I beat Halo, the Halo Infinite campaign. It was really good. There were definitely some parts that were incredibly annoying. There's, there's one boss battle in, in particular that's incredibly annoying. And it was one of those ones that you have to walk away from it and come back to it because you just get really frustrated because. It's one of those this is bullshit moments. Yeah. But other than that, I had a lot of fun. It, I mean, people, I, I've seen arguments that this is like, it's not groundbreaking, but at the same time, it's good because it's like the older games, which I, it it kind of has the same feeling as like a, like a Star Wars 7, say, where it hits all the same notes as like the, like the first one. It kind of does that, but at the same time, it's its own game and it has a lot of interesting... Uh, gameplay stuff that that happens throughout it. Uh, specifically, running across there's things called Spartan Killers that you run across. They're not hunters, which you you there are hunters in the game, but there's specific like mini bosses, which is something new in Halo. I've never experienced that before. You have mini bosses with actual health bars. Uh, uh, the health bar thing was really weird to me because I've never seen a health bar in Halo before when you're playing in. Uh, when you're playing a campaign, but it was the, the final boss and the end of the story is kind of like, wait, what just happened? You kind of have to, you kind of have to like sit back and think about it and be like, wait, that, that person wasn't who I thought it was the whole time. So it's, uh, it definitely is a, a mind bending campaign. That's for sure. And it's, uh, it kept me enthralled throughout the whole thing. I kept coming back to it. It was the, like, it was the only thing that was able to pull me away from, from Forza. But, yeah, um, I, I, I've, I've heard that most of the people that will, um, love the Halo campaign are really, or you said enthralled with it, um, are people that are like old school Halo people that didn't really like vibe with four and five. Yeah, 100%. I mean, nobody vibed with four and five. Yeah, some people did, but it's not it. It I would definitely say if you liked Halo one and two, this game is going to be right up your alley. 
you're going to enjoy this game if you like the originals. Um, even three to an extent, but it uh, it's definitely I think they definitely were aiming towards that audience for sure. I think a lot of the stuff that I've heard people say, as well as kind of my own experience, is that um, Halo Infinite feels like, wow, this is a pretty good showing for um, 343's first uh, game after taking the series over from Bungie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. What what other two games? Those games didn't happen. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think that it is definitely a high point in in uh, 343's attempts. Uh, it definitely is better than 4 and 5, 100%. Even playing multiplayer, it feels a lot more like the uh, the original 3 game with the ability to run and you have different things that you can do in the games, but uh, it's, it, it's a lot of fun and I highly recommend it to anybody who has played the Halo franchise in the past and kind of got put off by 4 and 5. This is not those games. This is a totally different experience. And I found a new favorite weapon in Halo, and that's the the Mangler. And I think I think everybody everybody who's played multiplayer knows that the Mangler is just super OP and the best gun in the game. Also, in that opening campaign level, yes, it's, in the opening campaign yeah. level, the Mangler is the gun to have. I mean, I I pretty much had the Mangler the whole game. There, I, there's not really a part where I can think of where it wasn't like my main gun. There's there's times where you need an automatic weapon. But for the most part, like 90% of the time, I, I think I had the Mangler. And you can unlock a special version of the Mangler, which it's, it has more of a spread. It's more of like a shotgun spread. But you can still shoot it at a distance. So it, it makes it even more OP than it already was. <laughs> but yeah, so like I said, if you enjoy the original trilogy of Halo, this game is for you. I highly recommend it. Uh, and the other game I've been playing is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. I picked this one up during the podcast last week because Mark got to talking about it. I was like, man, I really want to play this game, but I don't want to pay full price for it. And I was bummed because it was on sale when I was looking at it, and then I went back to go buy it, and it was it was no longer on sale. But then I found it again on sale, and I immediately bought it because it seemed, it seemed like a game I'd like. And I was talking about it on stream, and it gives you that square feeling like the new like the new square games all have a similar feeling i don't know how to describe it just the way you move and where the camera's placed and how you deal damage it it all feels it kind of feels like final fantasy 7 remake to me i don't i don't know how else to describe it i think that uh avengers kind of has the same feeling if you've played that um but it it all feels really good to play. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like you're not doing anything. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, like your weapons feel weighty. You feel like you're doing damage, and it gives you a lot of uh, a lot of feedback. Like it tells you, oh, you're in a low damage area. Oh, you're in a high damage area. Yeah. Oh, you're about to die. Here's here's this huddle thing that we're gonna do. And if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, it's it it pretty much nails it, uh, and it's pretty funny. The game so far is very funny. I will definitely give it that. The writing is very good. Uh, the game itself is beautiful. And Mark, I know you've yeah. finished this game, and yeah. we 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 both I think agree that this is this is probably one of the better Square offerings, and we hope that there's another one. Yeah, it would have been 
it would have been pushing into my top five for game for my uh, in my games of the year if I had played it in 2021. But the writing's the best part in terms of I, as with most Guardians content that I've seen or talked to other people who read the comics, um, this keeps up the tradition as Star Lord being the worst character in the game. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I. I, I don't know how far you are, but I I've, really loved what they did they they do with Drax in this game. I've gotten I'm through the first chapter, so we just got caught okay. and we're being brought in. By yeah. the way, I thought it was really funny that Peter Quill is Canadian. I don't know I don't know if it's in the story. I don't know if it's supposed to be in the story, but he's very clearly got a Canadian accent. Yeah, well, yeah, I think it's just a bad voice, like a not so great voice actor. He's I think he's from Missouri. Is or at he? least in Midwest. He sounds like he's from Canada. He sounds like yeah, Chris Jericho. I'm, I'm talking, he's talking. Uh, no. Oh, you think uh, Peter Quill is from Missouri? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the, yeah. the voice actor is very clearly Canadian, and they didn't tell him to lose the Canadian accent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The Gamora. I actually like this Gamora better than uh, Zoe Zaldana's uh, uh, MCU version. Um, I feel and, like Gamora in the MC in MCU is way too serious. I feel like they definitely up the comedic value of the character of all the yeah. characters in this. Yeah, the, well, they, it's funny because they up the comedic values of some characters and then they made some a little more serious. So they like um, like Rocket. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're all they all have their their comedy stuff that you see. If if your only exposure was the MCU, um, some things will seem a little different, but most of it will be the same. It's the the best parts about this game is that it literally it. A couple times, and I use that word literally the right way. Um, had me laugh out loud <laughs> while playing the game, not chuckle, not smile, like literally ha- laugh as though I was watching a movie from just the timing of a joke and the way they build and and oh, what's it called, um, uh, deliver on something you know, either some long setup and then the punchline is way later. Um, there's a moment way at the end. Where I I put down my control and just start laughing because it was it was such a like a culmination moment and just a funny voice acting delivery funny in a good way um, delivery and it's one of my favorite moments I can't wait till you get there it's, it's way late in the game and, 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 and this is not a game I'm going to stop playing this is going to no. be one of those ones I'm going to yeah. going to finish yeah and um, I'm going to leave you with the thing I think I mentioned on the podcast and see if you agree when you meet her. The, script, the best description, which is from Alex Navarro, that I heard of Mantis is that she's Cher from Clueless if Cher could see all times and realities at, at the same time. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, so when you meet her, let me know how accurate that description is. And I will. Yeah, Mantis so, might be my favorite character in the whole There's <laughs> only one issue I've had with this game, and that is how much they use the controller speed. Oh, yeah. I absolutely hate that. I never want any game to do it. It it uses it constantly. And like the first time it happened, it kind of threw me off because I did not many games. You use it like a walkie talkie as though you're in Peter Quill's helmet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But like the first time I did it, it was super loud. And I was like, okay, I was not prepared for that. And I remembered that you can adjust the volume of that in, in the PlayStation menu. I, because you think you would be able to adjust that in the game menu, but no, you no. have to go to the PlayStation menu. And I had to turn it down to like 30% because it was so loud. Like, it's one of those games that I can't play when everybody's sleeping. 
Yeah. Because it's just so loud. And <laughs> and I have or I have to wear headphones, one or the other, which I don't yeah. like doing. I'm not generally a person that likes to wear headphones when they're playing games. It's just not comfortable for me. But that's the only downside I've had so far is how much they use that and how yeah. how often I have to hear it. <laughs> yeah. So and the uh one question I have before we, we move on. Um how long did you stay in the opening scene and listen to that cassette tape? Oh, I, I stayed there for a good 10 minutes and was just listening. The, the music in the beginning is so good. The, the opening scene, that is a legitimate full cassette of all those songs. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's why they have cool. the lyrics on the thing. Now, something I did, I, I also did, was left... I don't know if you've like listened to like when it's on the, on the PlayStation uh, UI... And it's you're like hovered over the game. Yeah. That music that it plays is really good too. Like yeah. it's really good, like '80s heavy metal, and it's pretty cool. I, I like when they go all out and do stuff like that with these games. It's yeah. attention to detail that some people just don't care about, but I like it. Yeah, and they, uh, yeah, they, they, they nail. And you're only in chapter one, and you're loving it. You're, you're in. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to get through the rest of it. But, uh, but yeah, that's 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 what we've been playing. Uh, and since the last episode, I, I want to say this happened almost immediately after the last episode, but Microsoft announced that they're going to be purchasing Activision Blizzard, acquiring. This is not a merger. This is an acquisition. And, and it's been, go ahead, Mark. They just couldn't get 300 more million dollars out of it, huh? <laughs> but yeah, so there's been a lot of talk about it. We're going to kind of debate whether... Microsoft can save Activision Blizzard from themselves just because of a certain CEO that's there that we all dislike. Yeah, so and we, we won't we won't give him the pleasure of talking about him, well, no, saying I'll, his name. <laughs> no, I am always glad to tell Bobby Kotick to go fuck himself whenever we get the chance. But the I'll just break it down um, for those of you that may have been living under a rock since our last podcast. The Microsoft um, purchased Activision Blizzard King for $68.7 billion. Don't know why they couldn't get $300 more million out of it. It would have been real nice. It would yeah. have been real nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just to make a comparison, when they bought Bethesda, they bought that for $7.5 billion. So obviously a significant purchase price, which will probably catch the eyes of like uh, antitrust people. So... We probably won't have this deal settled as quickly as Bethesda was. But essentially, um, for those of you that don't know, uh, by purchasing Activision Blizzard, um, they obviously get the uh, king. Um, they get those three publishers, but they, you know, also get Infinity Ward and Raven, you know, Sledgehammer, Toys for Bob, Treyarch, you know, all all those studios, mainly known for Call of Duty. Uh, but... Yeah, it, what I um, see in this, um, you know, purchase is that essentially they're trying to do like they did with uh, Bethesda and help out Game Pass. But I don't think they would have made this purchase without the shit that was been going on at Activision Blizzard um, lately. So um, that's what helps make this occur because, you know, everybody's trying to jump ship off there and Bobby Kotick is looking for his golden parachute. Yeah, um, I- I thought it was weird when all of this stuff in the news about Phil Spencer, like not saying that it's a political, this is not a political space to talk about this stuff. I'm like, that sounds a little funky, Phil. Yeah. Little did we know that they were trying to buy. I mean, them. 
what he said was Microsoft is evaluating all aspects of our relationship <laughs> with Activision Blizzard. And at the time we were like, that's a really weird, like non-specific statement to say. And now it's like, oh, yeah. I see what you meant. <laughs> it makes way more sense now that that the this has gone. Well, at least the news has gone through. It hasn't been officially gone officially uh, confirmed yeah. from a yes, business so standpoint. It, it'll close sometime between sometime in the next fiscal year, probably yeah. after July um, or sometime early summer um, would be my guess. But they have until June 2023 to close it, um, according to whatever Microsoft's fiscal year is. But yeah, the other thing that came out is um, I believe they also changed Phil Spencer's title. Um, he is now the CEO of Microsoft Gaming. Um, it's not Xbox anymore. Yeah, because um, at, I don't at at this rate, yeah. I don't know how much longer they produce an Xbox. Yeah, I mean they still have like eight mm. Xbox like level staffers, like you know Matt Booty, who I only mentioned because he's got the best name in the business. Uh, is is like is like a VP for Xbox Game Studios. You know, like yeah. they still having that name out there, but they did change the leadership thing, which makes sense if they're buying all these studios, you know, it's, they're going to get big enough that having the Microsoft name on it is going to be more important to investors than having Xbox. the Xbox name. Yeah, I agree. Now for people who all always say, Oh, the Xbox has no games. This will add a lot of games to the Xbox. It'll also add a ton of stuff to game pass, which Mark mentioned before. Yeah. Like I have a few, like this after this, you're going to see Call of Duty Game Pass Day 1. You're going to see like any any Blizzard game that comes out, Diablo 4 if that ever happens. Yeah. Um Overwatch 2, that kind of stuff, that'll all be Game Pass Day 1 with this stuff now. Yeah, and now they got the mobile side with King and you know, it's it's going to be interesting. Um I just from a strict, you know, news standpoint, I see the flip side of all of it worried about monopoly and antitrust and all that um because obviously you guys may have heard the first thing that started popping up in gaming circles was somebody saying well is sony gonna buy square yeah that, that's, that's you know? the last thing we want is to have everybody owned by somebody else like you need to have independent people in gaming and that's i can see i can see the issue with people that people might have with Microsoft acquiring yeah. first Bethesda and now Activision Blizzard. Because Activision Blizzard, I don't think people understand just how big of a difference yeah. buying Bethesda and buying Activision Blizzard. Is. Yeah. Well, because everybody kind of compares uh, the two, but Activision okay. Blizzard is such a humongous company. According to this, it was $61.2 billion bigger. Right. <laughs> and that may not see like it's it may be hard to like fathom the difference there. I mean that, that means that this one is ten times bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, but it's just to some people it's just numbers and it doesn't mean anything. But um Yeah, yeah the yeah, the, the, the main thing that's um you know, I think the only reason to be honest that this happened or maybe happened this quickly, I don't know if they've been because all, all these companies at all times, every so often just be like, do do like you do in sports with trades and stuff. Just call up, and go, hey, uh, you, know, you guys, uh, you know, looking to sell, you know, or yeah, you want to, you know, just have those discussions. No, 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 not at this time. Okay, bye. You know, sort of. Um, I'm sure that happens. I'm sure there's some guy on the leadership team whose responsibility is to call just to see if they can acquire anybody. 
Um, but the I don't think without the shit that went on at Activision, I don't think this happens. That's why it falls a little differently than any of the other things that have gotten stopped by antitrust in the past. It's it was just like a, a daily event that something else came out about Activision being shitty. Yeah. It just continues to like stuff just keeps coming out and people keep losing their jobs and we're leaving. We, it's yeah. it's really sad. And they kind of needed a new they needed to either bring in bring in a new CEO, which didn't end up happening yet, or something like this needed to happen, like a takeover of, of some yeah. sort. Yeah. And the way that Xbox Gaming and Phil Spencer have been working these past few years with Game Pass and getting everything in order and and everything, pretty much everything they've done has been good. And you can't really point out something at Xbox and go, yeah, that was that was really shitty. They they shouldn't have done that. I mean, so the reason that people have not had as negative reactions to all of the acquisitions that Microsoft has been doing is because all of the what the developers who have been acquired have said is they're not really doing anything. They're basically they're letting us do whatever we want to do, whatever we were working on before, but they're just like giving us funding so we can do it like that. I think specifically Double Fine was um, made a, a lot of statements like that about Psychonauts 2, that they had a lot of levels that they had had to cut from the game because they just didn't have the budget to finish them. And then Microsoft came in and they're like, oh, well, actually, we're just going to delay six months and add literally everything that we cut back into the game. Um, the thing that's weird here is, well, so this is bad for so many reasons. One, we already mentioned it's bad that the um, industry consolidation is always bad because you have fewer, like fewer people who are able to make things. Yeah. And it's also bad because um, Activision Blizzard King owns such huge properties and whether or not Microsoft will do this, they could make these incredibly popular games exclusive to one platform, which means that all the people who play Call of Duty or Overwatch or whatever on um, or Diablo on PlayStation have to buy a new console or a new um, PC in order to play the games that they already own. Um, now, or like to continue playing um, the games that they like. But sorry. No, I was just saying, I've heard this argument, and I find it incredibly hard to believe that Microsoft would leave that much money on the table. Well, so we can get into that in a second, but where I was going with this is, like, it's bad for many reasons. But um, the one main thing here is that Microsoft's reputation so far has been that they leave the studio alone when they acquire them. However, nobody wants them to leave Activision Blizzard King alone because, one all of the like rampant sexual assault allegations and incredibly toxic culture Two, blizzard is infamous for severely underpaying all of their staff and having horrible working conditions. Um, and then three, those companies own so many properties and they don't make games for them Four, nobody has liked any game that blizzard has released in like the past five years. And so, yeah, I was going to say Diablo Diablo three, but that's like, almost 10 years old at this point i think also people didn't particular there were a lot of problems with diablo 3 on launch it's when the expansion came out that people are like okay this is good now from what yeah, i remember yeah. diablo so. 3 had that always online issue in the beginning and you couldn't play it 
the, I think sure. all I think if I remember correctly, all the all the servers were full and you couldn't play it. But until but you're right, until I think the first expansion came out, that's usually when Blizzard likes to fix their their stuff. <laughs> like with, I yeah. think they did the same thing with StarCraft two. Um, but yeah, and then um, also, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I I was just blabbering. I was gonna say, and the Warcraft Classic that came out recently. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely hated it. That it was a di- complete disaster. Piece of shit. Um, yeah. yeah. So, like, if they're being acquired, what people would generally want is for Microsoft to completely, like, <laughs> completely rebuild the corporation and basically just, yeah. like, break it apart into small teams to work on all these IPs that have been abandoned for years. However, if, my, uh, if Microsoft does that, then it sets a precedent that we don't want for literally any other acquisition they may do in the future. Yeah. Again, I don't know. I don't think they're that dumb. Uh, just seeing what Phil Spencer has done since the Xbox One debacle happened, I think he understands what needs to be done with certain things. And I don't know if he will himself will be involved with replacing Bobby Kotick or, or finding a new CEO for Activision Blizzard, but I feel like they know what they need to do and they wouldn't have done this if they I, I sound like an Xbox fanboy right now, but at the yes, same Mr. time, my two game, the only two games I play are Forza and Halo. <laughs> I own a PS5, but I don't own an Xbox Series X. So there's that, too. Uh, but <laughs> you don't play games on the PS5. <laughs> I, I, I bought Guardians for the PS5. <laughs> but I know I, I know again, I know I sound like an Xbox fanboy, but I can't. It's hard to argue with what they've done since Phil Spencer has come in. They've done a lot of good stuff. And like Microsoft and Activision have been around for almost the same amount of time. Activision has been around since the Atari 2600. And they were like the the main third party for the Atari 2600. So they're both relatively the same. They're both been around relatively the same amount of time. So it's interesting that now Microsoft owns Activision at this point. Yeah, Um, I, I think... I have basically some of the same concerns that Jonathan has in terms of the difference between this accus- uh, acquisition and the other ones they've done. We can see it from consumers as, oh, all this greats, you know, oh, it's just going to be, you know, like they got Blizzard and then they just put stuff on there and everything was fine. But for the people at Activision and Blizzard and all, you know, they were getting ready to start unionizing and, you know, all this stuff because of all the terrible culture there. They're going to want Microsoft to come in and, either acknowledge if they are going to do unions, you know, acknowledge that or come in and try and fix some of the shit. Some people may see Microsoft as a savior and not go through with the, with the labor stuff. And I think the one thing that I think they will do, and I don't know how it'll look or you worry about other acquisitions in the future here is I think they will start splitting off the teams and not make everybody work on call of duty and sort of let them uh, revive some of the IP they own that they haven't done anything with in years and maybe decades in some cases. Yeah, this is going to be one where they may need to do a sort of uh, EA style takeover in the uh, not in the way that EA does it, but meaning like it'll become like Microsoft's Raven or you know Microsoft's Toys for Bob, you know, and maybe they'll eventually find it so toxic they got to get rid of Activision Blizzard, the name and the company, you know. Um, and just do that, which could spill a lot of 
bad things for other companies at acquisition time, especially if they get away with it. And, you know, you get word for the future. But it's such a unique situation from the other from the other uh, times companies have either been consolidated or um, went into bigger companies um, that I'm just interested to see where they're going. Um, I think for anybody that enjoys games from um, the Activision Blizzard King thing, uh, someone coming in and purchasing it was probably a best case scenario. Um, because um, I would see the shitheads that are currently um, at the head of Activision Blizzard would have just folded the company um, and, you know, rather than deal with unions and accountability um, or the or the state of California would have shut them. down. Um, so maybe it gets a reprieve for some of these studios. Um, and the positive thing on a level that some acquisitions of these big companies do is um, not so much uh, Kotick, but some of the other higher ups. If you, you know, buy them out or you know let them go with some kind of you know um, severance or something, um, they may go start a new studio. And there's another studio in the ecosystem that Microsoft can say, you know, why it's not an antitrust um, thing. Uh, so I think it's it's without thinking about it, this may be the biggest gaming story in a generation oh yeah Uh, i would i would go out on a limb and say that this is like the biggest news maybe since microsoft got into video games maybe may uh yeah i don't know i i can't think of anything like bigger than this maybe like the wii i don't know (laughs) no no, i'm talking about like like strictly industry industry changing like the wii was a great system and but it didn't change the industry you know, everything's not motion controls now, you know, like, like strict motion controls like the Wii was, you know, it didn't go that route. Well, I could, yeah, I'm, I would say it's probably the biggest thing since Activision acquired Blizzard or merged with Blizzard. That's probably yeah. the last big still thing seems, I could. Still seems not, that doesn't seem, it, it's just weird. For all the things we've talked about here um, in reference to it, the good, the bad, the really ugly that the current people still working under um, their leadership at Activision Blizzard until this goes through um, have to go through. It's it's when it gets to the mainstream media the way it has um, because of the size of the of the purchase. It's one of those stories that like and you, both of you can correct me if I'm wrong or something. It's something we haven't seen in our lifetime of actually following this stuff closely. Um, like I said, Microsoft getting into games in like 98, 99 or whenever they announced that they were going to do something Xbox like gaming related. You know, we were teenagers and probably not like into the business side of video games, you know, to see it. But yeah, it's just as I thought about it, as the news has come out, it's just like this could you could look back on this and this could be one of the best things that ever happened um, to video games um, or possibly in a lot of the ways Jonathan described it could turn into one of the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah there's things. definitely checks and balances here. And hopefully there are people that, that are able to keep track of those things, you know, like make sure that, you know, all this antitrust stuff doesn't happen. Yeah. It's going to be very hard to prove that just because of Sony and Nintendo first off. And the fact that there were more games that it's just the sheer number of games that were released in 2021. Um, you know, there, there's no way they can, it's going to be really hard to claim monopoly, um, of it, but 
yeah, this is going to change everything. Um, essentially, there's a slim possibility this gets Game Pass on Sony system. Very slim, but it could happen, and that's a that's an earth shattering thing. I'd say uh, that's that's less likely than Microsoft keeping all the stuff on Xbox only. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, that's the evil thing that could happen is they could hold Call of Duty hostage to Sony to saying, "Hey, you know, we're, we're going to make this exclusive unless if you let us put Game Pass on PS5." Yeah, I, you know, I, I seriously doubt. I seriously <laughs> doubt that would happen. I mean, it, yeah, it's a very slim possibility, but it's open to that. It is a possibility, but it could also be Microsoft could handle this like they did Minecraft. You know, they bought. You know. Again, they bought another company from a shitty leader. Just kind of let that be and let it be everywhere it is and, you know, just rake in the money from it. But it's such a there's so many uh, like big properties that, you know, ABK has that you it's I don't know. It's just it's way too early. I You have to see how it plays out. But because you could run through so many scenarios, um, you know, of, of good, bad um, that could occur here. Yeah, it would have been, yeah, the interesting thing is to see if Sony does anything to respond to it. Um, they have time. Um, do they get on a Game Pass equivalent um, on Sony that's better than PS Now? Um, do they go acquire a big studio to try to compete? You know, but yeah, I, I think. I, I feel like Sony, if they're going to do anything, they need a, they need a Game Pass uh, competitor. And they need to get backwards compatibility working. If they don't do that, then then they have a problem that I feel like they'll have more of a problem than if they don't yeah. go out and get another, uh, another developer. I don't, yeah. I don't think Sony does that. I, I feel like they, they already have the exclusive. They already have the stuff that people want. I don't think they need to do that. What they need is to get something to compete with game pass. Cause they're getting close to 50 million people on game pass. Yeah. And, yeah, and Sony, just... Sony's finally just letting their games be on PC, let alone, a game pass competitor. So, yeah, and you know, Phil Spencer, as much as we love him is saying the things he has to say at this point, he's not going to mention anything about Kotick or any of them. Cause he can't legally say it until the acquisition takes place. So you have some, some of the uh, people that don't understand these situations screaming and hollering on, on, you know, social media about it. And he's also going to say, you know, the things he said with, uh, with Blizzard, we're going to honor current contracts because he's not, going to commit and if sony responds to it without they're not going to directly say it's in response but what they they're going to have to announce something because you know xbox is you know taking over all the headlines all the stuff during the dead period you know pre whatever the fuck e3 is now um so do they announce backwards compat do they you know say hey we're gonna we're gonna improve ps now or you know what? Yeah, I don't. They're, I don't know. They're gonna I have don't, to do something. I don't think PS Now is the answer. I'm hoping it's a it's a Game Pass competitor or some something similar, or at least backwards compatibility. Yeah, and it's got to be different. It's got to be the backwards compatibility from PlayStation has to be, from Sony. In my opinion, has to be a hey. If you own the disc, you can play it. Not yeah, any of this. I mean, I'm like, all right with that. You know, like we'll license some games to be digital. You know that you can purchase or bring over. But if you have the disc, it can play, you know, it might not have online capability or whatever, you know, but, you know, if they can do the thing where, you know, sports games work backwards compat or, you know, anything that has a license that expires, you know, if they can figure something out with that, 
that can be a slight advantage. But yeah, it's January, not much to talk about. So obviously, uh, this takes um, well, this would have no matter when this was um, released, this the Microsoft Activision story would have been talked about for a while. But now you have all this dead air time before even video games start coming out. Um, and, you know, the convention season comes around, um, you know, that it's just going to be just rumors and rumors and people speculating and, you know, we're going to speculate right now. Yeah. Do you think, do you guys think that they will fix this situation or do you think, think or do you think that they'll let them figure it out on their own? I don't think there is any good outcome from this. Okay. None at all. I yeah, I the only ways that I can see this go are all like net net very negative in some way. Okay. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I think the only thing I know for sure that they'll do because just for investor purposes, because you know, it all comes back to stock market and investors and stuff, um, is they will they will find a way to get Kodak out for sure. He's he's too toxic to keep around. And I think Microsoft understands that and understands um what it would do if 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 you know, it, everything went to hell because they kept this guy on. Um, that I know for sure is going to happen. In what form or how long, I don't know. But yeah, there's so much, just from a business standpoint, as Jonathan points out, that I, I'm i always an optimistic person. If you've listened to uh, They Called Us a Movie, um, I tend to be the one that leans towards not telling, saying anything is shitty. I hope that there is a positive outcome. But I see all the pitfalls that Jonathan is talking about with it. Um, I can talk and say, hey, maybe this will happen. Maybe that, And just kind of hope and pray and believe that. But, you know, if you have a probability scale, it's going to definitely strongly lean towards this is going to do something, whether it's something Microsoft does or gets involved in, or if it influences something another company does to go grab it, you know, to consolidate the business more. Um, you know, it's just... Uh, the unfortunate thing is, um, uh, I think they saw this, um, you know, as a they saw a uh, uh, what's the word? Oh, like a wounded bird, you know, just just sitting there and was like, hey, we can make all this money if we pick them up. Sixty eight billion is nothing to us. We're Microsoft. Um, and they went and grabbed it. Um, and I hope they have a plan. But, yeah, I'm going to be the one that sort of. Uh, sits a little bit in the middle here, I guess, <laughs> Be- between the two of you, as as yeah. I as I tend to do. Um, I always um, prepare for the worst, um, expect the best. So that's kind of what I'm doing with this, or yeah. the opposite: expect the worst, prepare for the best. Whatever, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to have some negative ramifications, but I'm hoping that it does not. Now, I'm not going to say I'm going to be a hundred percent. Uh, positive on this, but I would like to think that Microsoft knew what they were doing. They saw the, they see the issues that are happening and they have some sort of plan. Um, There was an old joke back in Rooster Teeth that they all people, there's always somebody smarter working on a problem that, that you talk about. They like to think that there's always somebody out there smarter that that's, that's fixing it. And I'm hoping that's what's happening here. It may not, it may not happen, but I like to think that Xbox has been moving in such a good direction that it will continue doing that and hopefully help these people. I don't know if it's allowing them to unionize or oh, bring it's definitely better, not going to be that. 
Well, I like it's, I don't know. You don't nobody <laughs> knows. Six months from now, who knows what they're gonna do? I don't know if the, I don't know if it'll be that. I don't know if they'll bring in new people to to try to make make a better working experience in these places. But I don't know. We'll I guess we'll just have to see. But like I said, I I'm probably the most positive of the three. And I'm glad we have differing opinions here because this is what I was hoping for is a debate and not just everybody agreeing with each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let us know what you guys think. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Game Vault Pod. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say about this. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, things work out for everybody. That can't always happen, but everybody but Bobby, Bobby Kotick. That's yeah. that's that's all. So that's what we'll end with, I guess. Yeah, he can go. He can go parachute away with his probably two hundred and sixty million dollars. He can go. He can go straight to hell. That's <laughs> anyway. So on a, a much lighter note and hopefully much happier happier note, we played Final Fantasy V for the PlayStation this week for Retro Roulette, and I think everybody really enjoyed this. Now yeah. this is the, our first time playing this game. I think for everybody, Jonathan, is this your first time playing it as well? Correct. It's been on my to-do list for a long time but this was the impetus for me to finally do it yeah same here yeah i think i think all of us have have the same the same thing it's we've all been waiting to play it for some reason and we have found a reason um now jonathan what is your background with like 16-bit uh rpgs are you are you a fan of those are you more a fan of newer rpgs i know you love japanese rpgs as well as us yeah, um, but this one is very is a very strict um, has a very strict system about it with jobs. So the first thing is that I actually played the GBA version, um, which is supposed to have a better translation but worse music than the PlayStation version. Um, it's the one that was easier for me to play. I um, mean, they're th- it's all basically the same. Yeah. So it, so go ahead. I was just say gameplay wise, it should be about the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I never played any RPGs on the SNES. I played um, a lot of RPGs on the PlayStation, but don't think I ever beat any of them. I did spend a lot of time playing them, though. Um, and But the more relevant... So I guess no experience with 16-bit. Well, very, very minimal experience with 16-bit RPGs. But um, I tried playing... Final Fantasy 4 and Final Fantasy 6 a few months ago and I bounced off of both of those because I didn't think they were fun to play. Um but this one I immediately liked it so much better because you have the so with Final Fantasy 4 and 6 um you don't get to pick who your party members are or even who's in your party and so and it also doesn't t- really tell you like what people are supposed to be good at for example in final fantasy 4 you've got the bard and what is the bard good at what is their job i don't know they seem to be <laughs> my best melee attacker but that does not sound right um <laughs> and so like you would have these i just like didn't know what to do with the party composition and so the combat feels bad if you don't like aren't able to make a strategy um but this one you get to pick what your part what your what class your party members are. Sorry, the cats are fighting over top of my microphone right now. It's okay. um, they, you get to pick what classes your party members are and um, you can switch them easily. So you can experiment with different strategies and stuff like that. Um, and also the abilities make it relatively clear 
what everybody's good at. Um, so I was, that is the thing that I like about turn-based RPGs is um, getting to customize the characters and <laughs> um, specialize them for certain roles and um, work on your party composition like that. However, I so that's why I asked to join this because I was really liking it for that reason. However, as I've played more of it, I am pretty sure I just don't like any Final Fantasy game. <laughs> and I'll get into that more in a bit. But <laughs> I just wanted to correct you. I uh, I did not enjoy end up enjoying the game that much, although I started really liking it. Well, as long as you get some enjoyment out of it, I guess that's a, that's that's, that's a what point. retro roulette is. It's a roulette. <laughs> sometimes it comes up red. Sometimes it comes up black. We just yeah. don't know. The reasons that I dislike it are enlightening. And so, yeah, there's I have stuff to talk about with that. But I, I will let you two speak. Yeah. Mark, where are you coming from with Final Fantasy? Yeah. V? So um, as you all know, six is the um, my favorite and the oldest one that I have beaten. Um, so I've always been staring at five going. Eh, I hear things about the job system. You know, some people prefer this to six. You know, I should just do the probably the dumb maybe it's not the dumb thing to do with games and beat them backwards to their earliest uh in uh incarnations um but yeah i played through um a little bit of this probably a little less than both of you um but yeah i'm really loving uh the the job system for the reasons uh jonathan mentioned is that it's very obvious who does what what they're good at you get to pick and choose um and you can you have a little more freedom than you do in most Final Fantasy games in terms of of, of what your party looks like. In terms of it feels a little bit more like smashing together, you know, classes and stuff for for like for like a, a tabletop D and D or something like that, um, where um, you sort of need to you're not just going to go okay everybody's like like Final Fantasy eight okay everybody's just doing melee because I've strengthened you guys up so much that. You're just one shotting everything. If I hit the X button, um, yeah. The the one thing that stood true that I heard going into this game is that the story is very um, like cliche. Yeah, cliche is probably a good word for it, but it's very much like okay, I I've seen these tropes before. I kind of know where I think it's going. Probably wrong, um, but um, there's going to be some dumb twist in it, or it could be like the other people that I have respect for that played through all these games go, no, that's pretty much this game is what you think it is. There is, that is probably a reason why it didn't come out in America to begin with. Um, because it feels like the ones that did get released here outside of the first one, because, you know, as the name portrays, it was, you know, that director producers, you know, last game. So that he was, or, you know, they weren't going to let him do games anymore. Um, so of course that came out everywhere. And then the next one that was really good that, you know, the um, this is just me speculating that Square felt like, OK, Western audiences will get this, you know, it was four and then it was six. Um, and so these ones in between are the weird ones that um, are maybe not fully baked or in, in five's case, maybe the story um, is just, you know, a little too light. And it's more based on its action and, um, you know, battle system and all that than than an actual sweeping story. Um, but. I am going to beat it at some point, um, whether it takes me a year or two or whatever. Um, I will get through it now that I've started it to make it uh, in about a year or two. I'm staring down the battle barrel at. All right. I'm going to finally finish you for 
Even though I've started you a few times, we're going to finish it. But yeah, yeah, that's, I'm interested to hear Jonathan's um, revelations that, um, that he had, um, because it's always fun to, um, at least for me, playing through a game or a genre or a series and going, oh, oh, I, I, I found out something about myself. Okay. <laughs> you know, so I'm interested, but Tom, I know you're probably, you started more with the, obviously seven was the first one. You're probably more exposed to the, the, you know, 32 bit and plus, um, yeah. what were you liking about this 16 bit one? So I liked that they kind of give you freedom in the beginning to pick what what you want each character to be. I also I'm also a weird person and I liked Final Fantasy 13. So the job system in this, Wait, I'm pretty sure all three of us on this call enjoyed fi- or liked Final Fantasy 13. Mark yeah, liked 13 too better. I like 13 too better. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought that's the one that you didn't like. No, he hates Lightning Returns. I hate Lightning Returns. Okay, okay. Three. <laughs> that piece of shit game um because it was there, one I, second i know rant. there's a twist that you hate you i heard you do this rant before i just i thought it was <laughs> 13 two that was the I one do. that you nope complained about okay so I, anyway so i like the crystarium in final fantasy 13 and the job system in this feels a lot like the crystarium so you can level up a certain class to a certain point and then you can say oh i want to try a different class and do that and level that up I thought that was a really cool addition to this. And it does that thing where if you level up a class enough, you will get certain abilities and you won't lose them. So that is very helpful as well. I was also going to compare this to Final Fantasy 13, but continue. I I just, I don't know, something about the beginning of the story, I really, it really grabbed me. I don't, I, I was kind of like thinking, oh, more crystals, it's Final Fantasy. There's, there's going to be crystals. Yeah. Of course there is. <laughs> Uh, but besides that, I, I, for some reason, I really enjoyed the beginning part of the game, the first hour or two, just getting to know those few characters. Uh, and I'm excited to see where it goes from here, because obviously you're going to get more characters and you're going to be able to build your party out from there. Um, and just uh, it seems like, it, again, we were kind of joking about it on stream, like, oh, this person is is you know whatever is gonna be this this is gonna happen to them like we were already guessing what was gonna happen and it was very obvious but i don't think they wanted us to think it was very obvious i don't know it just a lot of the stuff in the beginning was like oh they're they're trying to be coy about something but it's not it's not very it's it's not very subtle i guess i should say can i make a comment about that yes and this also ties into what mark was saying Sure. Um, I was listening to a thing about old RPGs a while ago, and um, they were saying that in around this era, like SNES, the SNES, uh, NES and SNES era, RPGs had the reputation of being the story games. That like these are the games that have like an important story, and um, they're for like serious people who want serious themes. And but then when you get to like the PS1 or PS2 era and you have better graphics, those people realized, hey, wait, you tricked me into watching anime. (laughs) And that's why they fell off in popularity in the West. And I think that explains what Mark was like. So assuming that's true, that explains what Mark was saying about four and six coming over here, because those have more of a focus on story. Yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah. Um, And then 
shoot, what you were saying, oh, you were saying that this one is a more cliche story or like it's easy to predict where it's going to go. And I think one thing with that is that um, this story seems very reminiscent of like the original Final Fantasy one. You know, it's for Warriors of Light and whatever. And also um, another thing to point out is that Dragon Quest is way, way, way bigger in Japan than it is here. And that series is famous for having like a very simple, predictable story with characters that you like. And that's what this one is. Um, So that could be another reason that it is the way that it is. Just a difference in taste culturally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would make a lot of sense as to why it didn't come out here. Uh, Just because it's it's not as culturally relevant as four and six. And I think, you know, playing I've played six and I can see why that story would be interesting to Western audiences. And I can see why this one would not be also. But uh, but yeah, so far what I've played, I've loved. Uh, I like the fact that it you you get you gain abilities through your your just through your uh, your class and or your job. And then you can switch jobs. I like the I like the that flexibility. Even though when you're in that job, that's all you can do. I like the fact that you can switch at some, any any point you want. You'll be way weaker at that point, but you'll have another job. So, Jonathan, why did you grow to dislike this? Yeah. So first first thing, I want to start this by asking a question. Guess which four Final Fantasy games I have beaten. I think. Yes, it's four. It's four. I've beaten four Final Fantasy games. I would say which ones? 13, 15, 10, and 7. I have not beaten 10 or 7. I got two two out of the four. Yep. You you, you seem like a 12 guy to me. Nope. Nope? Really? Okay. I tried to play that for the first time like a month ago and bounced off of it. I I don't think I like the Evil East stuff very much. Yeah, that that would explain why. (laughs) Yeah, you have to... I was going to say, really it's also a very MMO, MMO light Final yeah. Fantasy XII. Yeah, so did you beat, um, I I think what's left is like 8 and 9, or? Nope. Nope, okay. I, I've never really played 8, and I didn't even finish the first disc of 9. I'm going to say 13, and, uh, 13, 2, and Lightning Returns. No, I, 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 I beat 13. I did not play any of the sequels, though. Um, I, I just haven't tried them, but 13.2 is on Game Pass, and so I have it downloaded, and I'm planning to try that soon. Um, okay, so the answer four. is 11 and 14. <laughs> don't count. We don't count those here. I, count. No, I beat the story in both of those games, and the, the reason that I'm bringing this up is because the thing that um, three of those four games are an evolution of this job system. So you already mentioned 13, um, already compared 5 to 13. And the comment I was going to make there is that 13 feels like an evolution of this in that instead of managing each party member, you manage the party as a whole. And it's the same concept of each party member has many different roles that they can fill. And you swap who is filling which role at any given moment to adapt to the encounter, which is like... The thing you do in Final Fantasy V, but also you just do it within a battle in Final Fantasy XIII. Yeah. Does that? Yeah. No, no I know exactly. Agree with that. that makes total sense. Yeah. Um, then- 11 and 14 have the job and sub-job system that works in the same way where you level a job and then you can equip it as a sub-job to gain that first job skills 
while you are using a second job. And in those two games, um, since they're MMOs and you have like, you're playing a single character that has a very defined role, that can be kind of weird because um, you are kind of locked into what sub sub jobs you can actually use because there were some really weird dependencies. Like um, if you Paladin is a tank in 14, but you have to have white mage as your sub job because that heal is one. They expect you to have a self heal and that's the only way to have a self heal Two, that heal is actually the way that you maintain threat because heal spells generate more threat than um, regular attacks because you don't do that much damage. And but because you are a tank and you generate more threat than everybody else anyways, it is your biggest source of threat. And so it's incredibly important that you have that ability. And the only way you get it is by having a specific sub job. So it's weird. But that is, again, like exactly the way that Final Fantasy V wants you to think about this stuff, that you are combining your job and sub job to make like a full fleshed out, more complex character. Yeah, um, you, yeah you sort of. Um, I know you said you bounced off of it, but the, the Zodiac Edition 12 sort of does the sub and just sub job, job and sub job thing as well. But not and not as well as the four, the three games you mentioned. Eleven's um, the only one I haven't touched ever. And I feel like there's a very niche thing. Like, you know, if you played Eleven, you played Eleven. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's not something that you were like, eh, you know, I dabbled in it. Um, but... I, I really enjoyed my time with 14, except I don't think between all the stuff I do that I could justify the monthly thing for it. Um, but if I could, and I would, I would play that game a lot. I really did enjoy, you know, the 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 month I played it because I couldn't get the free trial thing um, because I had apparently signed up for a free trial eight years ago right. or whenever it first came out and they wouldn't let me do it again um, yeah. when it was a completely different game. Uh, um. but. Yeah, yeah, I can see, I can see the comparisons to the games here, and didn't really actually think about them. Brought it up um, in terms of you know, especially thirteen, uh, maybe because they have different names for the stuff, right. you know, Ravenger and and uh, Commando or and stuff that didn't really click in my head that they were job systems. But yeah, yeah, this this is the the, the thing with Final Fantasy. It seems like a lot of the Outside until remake came out, a lot of the you know battle systems that seem to get popularity amongst RPG and JRPG fans are the ones that have this kind of uh, kind of system to it. I don't know why they haven't tried to do that, you know, more often. I am going to speak to that a little bit more in a okay, second. Good. But first, I want to ask another question: yeah. What do all four of these games have in common? Chocobos. Oh. I mean, yes. That is technically true. That is not the answer I was looking for. <laughs> um, first thing I want to say that the I not knowing much about Eleven, I would say the stories are very anime. Nope. I nope. mean okay. that might be true, but that's Ooh, not what I'm looking true. for. Okay. So Go the ahead. answer is yeah. none of them have ATB. Oh, well, I, I guess yeah. Thirteen kind of does, but not really. Does, but not. It's, it's not, not the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. None of them have ATB. ATB sucks. I hate it. I. <laughs> One, I was playing this on, <laughs> you heard me say earlier, I had two cats fighting over my microphone, because that's the thing that happens when you have multiple <laughs> cats that are very energetic. So I was playing this game, and I would look away because I would hear a cat like smash into the wall or something. 
And then when I look back, the enemy has done two attacks because I wasn't hitting a button at that moment. Yeah. Um, which sucks. And then also it means that um, inside of a fight, you can't really think tactically. And so the that means that the fights in this are a lot easier than I would expect from a um, game that allows this kind of customization and stuff, which is to say that it feels like a baby game for babies. <laughs> At the same time, like as far as the difficulty of the combat and whatever, and variety of attacks that enemies do and stuff, yeah. but also you have all this customization, and so it feels weird and like overkill to be able to make this super complex party, but then you only do one attack with any given person each round. Yeah, yeah. I can see where you're coming from with that. That makes, I mean, it makes sense. There's it. It was funny when we were on stream. Somebody said, "Oh, just hold X." I'm like, "What?" I did. Yeah. Like, yeah. like why and like oh it just automatically inputs the next thing which like the first hour of that game is hold x to win yeah so uh, that's the first seven hours of that game <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had found that out from watching somebody but also realized that that was the trick uh to doing things in eight is when you're just drawing magic and sitting there is to just set it on you know remember the input Mm-hmm. And then just hold X until you've drawn all the magic you can. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, it like you said, it does make it seem like a baby game for babies. But um, I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it because I am i don't I don't have a problem with games like that. I don't have a problem with easy games, I guess I should say. Baby game for babies. Yeah, I'm not trying to say that, like, this game is too easy or that it's bad for that yeah. reason. Just that um, the combat is not as complex. Well, OK, I didn't end up liking Final Fantasy V. But I really, really like other games that have come along more recently that are heavily inspired by um, Final Fantasy V. Yeah. Um, and the difference, main difference between those two is that the more recent games that I'm thinking of, specifically Mary Skelter and Demon Gaze, which are both Vita RPGs and have... What <laughs> they're are, good. They're, what? Yeah. I have played a <laughs> part of Bravely Default. I had, yeah, I had heard things about that system that has made me resistant to buy that game. Um, so I can, I'm, I'm glad to hear someone else that I trust their opinions on also saying that that system sucks. Um, yeah. um, oh, sorry. I, no, I just wanted to finish my sentence. Yeah, finish um, your thought there. So the thing that these more recent games have in con- or, um the thing that's different about them is that uh, your what you do in a they are turn-based and what you do in a turn is more complex than in Final Fantasy V. So like while you definitely have times where you can just do the equivalent of like just hold it down X to like do the same actions each turn, the everybody you don't just have everybody doing attack or just casting like fire or whatever. Um you have like your healer has an ability that costs no MP that gives everybody a shield. So like they are doing that every turn. And then your fighter is always attacking. And then your mage um, has like a low damage AOE that they can cast every turn. Stuff like that. So that you still have a lot more planning that you're doing. And yeah, it's it's just a lot more to think about than um, Final Fantasy V, which is set it and forget it, basically. Yeah, yeah. I can I can certainly understand why that would turn turn somebody off from this. If it's gets to be yeah, basically they, a slog and it's just too easy, I can d- definitely understand. Yeah uh, the 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 first thing the first thing you learn is that um, 
it's just as you get as you get play more games and get a little older, you just understand that some games are uh, are going to have things that just are not going to click with people, and has nothing to do. It's not a personal attack on your like or dislike of that game, um, unless you like Lightning Returns. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to play yeah. and enjoy that game just to spite Mark. <laughs> you probably would like it. You probably I mean... would. Um, but yeah, no, I just say, as Jonathan said, I've, I've shared my thoughts on why I hate that game, but, um, yeah, it's just like Jonathan enjoys, you know, the no ATB. Um, I don't know what side of the fence I fall on, whether I like that or not. Um, but you know, I'm not going to, you know, get mad that I, if I like ATB cause Jonathan doesn't, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think that's the. That's the good side of what I said in the beginning of the good and bad side of the of Final Fantasy um, switching up combat a lot is that there's enough of those games out there, including the MMOs, um, that somebody's going to find something they like. You know, there's still the tactics games. There's what was it Mystic Quest? No, no, that's the TV show. Um, there's a Mystic something. Um, uh, Final Fantasy. That's that's a totally different game, and you know, you just find what yeah, you like huh. and, and just keep playing it. Yeah. Yeah, that that was the the thought process I had with this is I think I'm going to enjoy this in terms of I I like the job system and the the battle stuff because I did like the the Zodiac edition of Final Fantasy XII. Um, And, you know, it'll just be one of those things that if if I finish it and it's something I'm like, ah, it wasn't as good as I thought by the end, you know, and I'll I'll be able to hang it on my thing that uh, next up is four, which has, um, you know, a story focused game that maybe um, I will love. But yeah, I'm glad we got this this week. I this discussion um, is probably is is what I would love to have with these types of Final Fantasy games and just long series games in general. Yeah, yeah, me too. I like I said, I really enjoyed this one. Um, hopefully, eventually we'll get to all of them. <laughs> yeah. So let's get our scores in here, Jonathan. What score do you give Final Fantasy V? <laughs> I'm gonna give Final Fantasy V. Five out of five Final Fantasies. <laughs> I one, I wanted to make that joke, but two, um, just that even though I don't like this game now, that's only because there have been newer games that are like straight up improvements on this game, at, at least as far as I'm concerned. And so, if I had played this close to this um, time or like when it was released on GBA, even I absolutely would have loved it and thought it was amazing. Okay, Mark. Yeah, so um, probably at this point, um, I'm leaning more towards like three and a half out of five, um, just because I wish the story was a little bit better, and um, and I'm very strict about my five out of five, so um, I got to leave some room for the games that I, I do think currently give me everything I want in a Final Fantasy game um, there, but um, this could easily, I would say the highest, if if anything improves or if the job system is so great um it could end up being a four by the time i'm finishing it but yeah it's 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 fine you know it's not it doesn't feel like i'm wasting my time um because you know these games tend to go long um and that's always that's always the first worry when you jump into one of these and so far i i am enjoying um what i'm playing and and don't feel it and it doesn't feel like a slog um so as of right now yeah, three and a half out of five sounds right. Wait, I want to change my score. I want to okay. give it four warriors. I want to give it four warriors of light out of five <laughs> Final <laughs> Fantasies. 
I'm going to give it four out of five also. Uh, like it, like we said before, it, it does everything that a Final Fantasy is supposed to do. I really enjoyed the story so far, even though it's kind of gimmicky and you kind of know what's coming. I'm, I was all right with that. Uh, do you but, know the fi- Sorry, do you know the final boss's name? Did you get that far? I did not get that far. Okay. The, is it something? Is it something that is? It's it's very silly. Do you want me to tell you? You you can tell me. X death. E X D E A T H. Nice. The evil warlock <laughs> X death. That's yeah. That sounds about right for this game. That's okay. I'm all right with that. But yeah. As we continue through these Final Fantasies, I think five I like better than eight so far because we I I'm gonna have to do a whole ranking once we get through through them all. But yeah, I, I'd say four out of five for me. And uh, everybody who's playing along at home, let us know what you think on Twitter. Hit us up there. Let us know what you think of Final Fantasy V. All right, it's time to spin the wheel. All right, so Imperfect Poor is getting something a little early. He's going to get Castlevania Symphony of the Night for the PlayStation 1. Nice, can't wait to go back. Interesting. So we've played, I feel like Castlevania and Final Fantasy are probably the two most popular ones we've done so far, like the two most popular uh, series we've done. Because we've done Castlevania 2. And 4. And 4 and 1. We did Castlevania 1 also, right? So now yeah, we'll do. Was, was that the one where you killed the guy and then fell off the stairs? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so we also that. did. We also did Rondo of Blood. Yes. So, for those who don't know, this is the sequel to Rondo of Blood, on that a game that no one ever played in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, there's it's it, there's three games that are attached, um, and they all have musical names. That's was it Rondo of Blood, this, and then something Aria or something. Aria, Aria Sorrow. Sorrow. Yeah, Area Sorrow. Yeah. So yeah, this is going to be fun. Um, I'm going to have to read a manual before I play it because I've seen people do stuff in this game that I have no, I've never been able to figure out how to do. So I'm gonna have to, uh, I'm gonna have to read up and see uh, exactly how everything works. But I'm excited. Just watch the speed run. <laughs> they don't explain how th- how they do stuff. Well, watch it on AD uh, Game Sun Quick. They explain it there. All right, I'll do that. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think the main uh, I don't think the manual is going to tell you how to clip through the stairs. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> how to clip um, through the elevator to get through a locked door? Right. Um, I have never really played this game, but I have it on my Vita, and I have been meaning to get around to it. So I'm excited for this. Nice. I'm excited too. Uh, so yeah, that's that's pretty much going to do it for us this week. Uh, Mark, do you want to let everybody know about our family of podcasts? Yeah, so um, we have our movie podcast. They call this a movie. Um, airs every Thursday. You can find it on Spreaker. Um, uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter um, at TC Tam Pod. Um, that's T C T A M Pod. Um, we uh, rebranded it. We're going to have a new website um, coming soon. Um, That'll encapsulate all of all of the, uh, the they call this movie uh, stuff we've done and things we'll do in the future. And um, yeah, we've had some really interesting movies um, coming up. We're getting into our uh, Gerard Berry or I, basically it's uh, Gerard Butler um, <laughs> in, February. in February, which is, is an inside joke. Um, you know, uh, we are not watching four Gerard Butler movies. We're watching only one. 
where for some reason one of us of the three of us named it that um and that is what we're going with from here on out um so be on the lookout for that and then we have our valentine's day episode um coming up which this year is uh 50 shades darker um because we're torturing ourselves by alternating twilight and 50 shades movies um each year um uh, because that's what that that's what that's what valentine's day is all about those two movies uh, so yeah be on the lookout for that february is a fun month um and then you know we'll be on to um getting into uh some of the some of the spring stuff and hopefully dan doesn't choose a sand and sandals movie um sword and sandals movie um and then we stream uh three days a week over at twitch.tv slash gameball pod uh, Mondays is Tom's retro stream where we'll be playing Castlevania Symphony of the Night this evening. Um, and he's finishing up Resident Evil 2, and then we'll get back into Chrono Trigger. I'm mean, after that, yeah, probably one more stream um, of, of Resident Evil 2. Um, uh, or should be one more stream. Um, we'll see how you do. Um, and then Wednesdays is our multiplayer shooter. Um, we're currently playing through Halo Infinite, but obviously, if a new one um, comes out, um, that would be interested to try out or do once we do. Um, that's just that's just the one night where the three of us are, are all on playing together. Um, and then Thursday um, is my co-op stream. I think me and, and Tom, either next week or the week after, um, we'll be getting into our co-op game. I've just been filling it with uh, Zelda randomizers and vampire survivors and just basically having fun with the layouts on OBS um, more than anything. Um, so uh, be on the lookout for all that. And um probably going to discuss it with the group but i'll mention it here if you guys want to uh, let us know on on uh twitter um i'm thinking of setting a, a day maybe a weekend day of of maybe doing a randomizer once a week so if that's something people want to see and check out um i'm always down for it um but yeah just let us know yeah awesome so lo- like we said a lot of stuff happening in the next couple of weeks months so make sure you're following on Twitter and in our Discord, if you want access to that, uh, we'll, you just DM us on Twitter and we'll get you access to the Discord. And before we get out of here, I want to mention that we're an affiliate of Stone Age Gamer. If you have a need for any retro console accessories, whether they be controllers or cables or power supplies, head on over there via the link in the description of this podcast. And every time you use that link to, to purchase something, it uh, gives us a little kickback and helps us make this podcast and our streams better for you guys. So I want to thank Jonathan for joining us, filling in for Jen because she's now left the, the land of the living. <laughs> and uh, hope you all are doing well out there. Hope you have a good week. And for Jonathan and Mark, I'm Tom, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye.